I think when people come in to visit the business, they see like how much fun I'm having. And if you work hard, you have great income. And then also I can balance my life with my children with my, you know, if it's a beautiful sunny day and I want to go to my cabin, I'm going to go and I'm going to enjoy it. And we have to work with the tides in the summer, high tide and low tide. And as an entrepreneur, I can, I'm not locked into a nine to five Monday to Friday job. And I think a lot of other people are noticing this. If we could bring all these people that are so creative with whatever they're doing into one building and give them the space and the proper income, I think they would totally convert tomorrow. Hey everyone, welcome to Venture Out a podcast series from Entrepreneur North that shares the brave stories of Northerners who are inspiring innovation and community well-being through business. I'm your host, Zena Cowan. We are fires across the tundra. We are ice of a million years. Our mothers, our fathers hold us. We stand together. Today, you're going to meet Jennifer Lindell, who is one of the most loved women in the city of Iqaluit, Nunavut. Jen is the owner of Jen 87 Hairstyling, and it's the only Inuit-owned salon in town. It's a place where you come not just to feel beautiful, but to feel connected to community. Over the years, Jen has built a thriving business that centers Inuit culture and offers clients an experience they wouldn't get anywhere else. And you'll hear more about this in the episode from Joanna Awa, who is a celebrated broadcaster and communications specialist and has been a devotee of Jen's for many years. As a full-time entrepreneur, Jen is also a big source of inspiration for Northerners everywhere. She owns her own commercial building, she uses her salon to uplift others and support the local economy, and she got her business through COVID, which was no easy feat. She talks about her business being her first baby, and it's something that her children have grown up around their whole lives, and that makes her very proud. Let's meet Jen. Jennifer Lindell. I'm from Nikolaiit Nunavut. I'm the owner and founder of the hair salon Jen 87 Hairstyling here in Nikolaiit, and I have four children. I love thinking about entrepreneurship as something that gets passed down from generation to generation, and 
it speaks to this mindset and sense of creativity that I think becomes embedded in us. And when we have entrepreneurs in our families, you know, we get to see firsthand the challenges, um, but also the incredible gifts that come from being your own boss. Jen, can you tell me a little bit more about your family and the people you come from? I grew up having entrepreneurs around me. I remember as a child wanting to help my uncle at the Grind and Brew work behind the cash and serve coffee. And my dad was always an entrepreneur. So I remember enjoying that. Okay, so you come by this honestly. Um, Jen, what was your childhood like growing up in Iqaluit? And what do you remember about yourself as a little girl? Yeah, my mother is originally from Johaven, Nunavut. She moved here to become a teacher. I also have that teacher in me. I do a lot of teaching with my children, with their friends, with high school students. I have that in me as well as my father's side. He's from Montreal and he was an entrepreneur. He was a boiler mechanic and plumber and so he he was definitely in the trades. So I have a little bit of both, I think. I have two older brothers and I'm the youngest in my family. I have no female cousins or aunts or my grandfathers didn't have any sisters. So I was the only girl for a very long time. I had a really good, I'd like to say I had a really good childhood. My parents always made sure we spent time on the land at our cabin and kept our culture closed. And my mother always kept me busy like I do with my children with sewing and beading and crafts. But I had a really good childhood for sure. So one of the things that I notice about you is how so much of your world revolves around your business in the salon and also how much time you carve out for you and your family to be going out on the land and really having that balance. And I was also reminded recently that in 2021, you received the Community Champion Award at the Arctic Inspiration Prize. And I'm wondering, like, what were the teachings and values that you would have been raised with to set you up to be such a light as an entrepreneur, but also as a mom and a community member? Definitely the first thing we were always taught was respect. I think that was drilled into us. We did ever disrespect anybody or any things, any belongings, or even the time that we're supposed to be somewhere. Uh, we were in trouble. So respect was definitely something that I was taught. My father is more bold and stern and, you know, so he drilled that into us. And then my mom's more laid back and calm. But if she wants to teach you something and you're not getting there, she'll get pretty stern herself. So I always say respect was the biggest responsibility that we had as children. We learned a lot about people people's needs are and how to work with people and how to make other people feel good about themselves. So the values we always had was if we have something we could give or we could share or we can lend, that's something that we always did. And that's kind of where I come from in the business. Like I think when I first 
launched the business, my feelings were, I like the feeling of making others feel good themselves. And that was definitely taught as a, that doesn't just come, that was taught really, really young. And I think that's where it all came from. And that's kind of how I got the prize. Before COVID, we were doing what uh, free haircut events at Christmas time. We had community members come in and help us. We had ministers, we had MLAs, we had nurses and just people from everywhere come in and help us. And we just gave free haircuts to whoever needed them, especially people that maybe couldn't get one regularly. Christmas time was important to do something like this to have others feel good for themselves. And so that's that, that's definitely come from my childhood values. It's so cool that entrepreneurship gives us that opportunity to be of service to others and to offer something that is exactly what the community needs. And I know that Gen 87 hairstyling is the only Inuit-owned salon in Iqaluit. And what you offer to folks goes so far beyond hair. Um, but before we talk about the entrepreneurship piece, I do want to hear about how you fell in love with doing hair. Like, where did that come from? Oh, I... I, I know people, you know, when you have a dream and when you become, you know, a hairstylist or a chef or whatever, you're, you kind of expect to hear, oh, I wanted to be a, a hairdresser since I was five years old, but that's not really how it went. I, I think I, I spent a lot of time doing hair, not knowing that that was something I was good at. I'm seeing my daughter in the same footsteps, but I remember we were in a choir in middle school and I was probably 13 years old and we were going to sing on Parliament Hill on Canada Day with Susan Aglukak and we were in Ottawa getting ready for a performance and I remember curling hair and braiding hair and putting hair up and getting everyone ready and I, I just kind of did it. I didn't plan it. I didn't. I wasn't really asked by anybody but I did one and then I did two and then I did three and four and we were heading to the performance on a bus and I was like oh no I did everyone else everyone's hair and I don't even have my own hair done. so I threw my hair up in a few buns and if you know me today I always have my hair up in a bun but I think that was kind of my first hair gig and then when I got into high school I realized, okay, this is something I enjoy. This is something I like to do. And so I would visit the hair salon down the street from my house and very well-known hairdressers were there. And I'd go and visit and watch them do hair and help them and then get my hair done. And funny story in high school, Skills Canada would come into the schools and reach out to uh, students to come and compete in trades and technology and back then when we would do, go to competitions we didn't have them here we had them in Yellowknife so of course a lot of friends are like oh another trip out let's try and sign up for something we can compete in and I said okay and one of my best friends said don't do hairstyling it's too hard and I said I'm going to do hairstyling. <laughs> so 
I went and I signed up and there was a few of us competing in Yellowknife and then I came back with a medal and I was able to go to compete nationally. So then the hairstyling teacher was like, okay, I'm going to take grab on her. She's young, she's committed, she's doing well. And that was how my hairstyling career happened in, in high school, probably 15 years old. Wild. And it's incredibly rare for someone to land on their career at such a young age. Like, we can all enjoy or be good at lots of things, but most of them don't turn into a job. So at what point did hairstyling go from being just a hobby for you to a full-time career choice? So my final year of high school in grade 12, I had a spare and the hairstyling teacher that really helped me along my path um, to become a hairdresser and entrepreneur said to me, we are doing our first year hairstyling uh, at the Arctic College. So it's a year one hairstyling certificate. So that was the same year I was taking my grade 12 at the high school. I liked the challenge. so. We went to visit the high school and asked them, you know, if I could go into post-secondary while I took my hairstyling, if this is something the school would take credits for. And they were, they said, yeah, like, that's great. And we went to the art to college and the college was a little bit more like, I don't think so. I don't think it would work. Um, This is a lot on her plate for someone that's in her final year. So they said, we'll give it three months. And we gave it a a try. I would start high school at 8 a.m. And then I would finish for my spare at 11. My dad would pick me up, bring me to the college. I'd stay there until 1, go back to the high school. Then school finished at 3. Then I was back in the college from 3 till about 7. And then sometime on the weekends. And that's when I knew I was committed to be a hairstylist and that it was something I wanted to do. At that point, I don't think I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I knew there were salons in town that I was going to want to work for. And then one day there wasn't any salons. And I said, okay, I guess I guess I have to open my own business. And that's where the career re- really started. Okay. So it's a common pathway for a lot of stylists to begin working in someone else's salon and to be building up their client base. And in urban centers, there are hundreds of salons to choose from, but obviously in a smaller city like Iqaluit, where there are only a few, then if they close, that's your moment and your opportunity to decide, okay, do I want to be a salon owner? Like people need their hair done. Where are they going to go? I was pretty well known in the salons because I worked at two. And also in school, I took clients at school in the evenings. The client base I had from school, I still have to this day. They've come with me wherever I went. And then that salon was closing. So I said to my dad, I said, there's another salon in town that I work for, but I'm not never going to work for them again because I worked and I worked and I worked, but I wasn't getting paid enough. So my father said, okay, if you're opening a business, you need to get a start with a business license. Let's go to the city of the Khalid. 
and get you a business license. And I was probably 17, 18 years old then. So he came with me and he said, I'm here with my daughter. We're here to pick up a business license. She wants to open a, her hair salon. And they said, okay, here's the form. Here's what you have to fill out. And it said um, business name. And I said, I don't have a business name. I don't, I've never thought of a business name. And he said, growing up, we had a boat. Our boat's name was Gen 87. 87 is my birth year. So he said, why don't you just name it Gen 87? Gen 87 hairstyling. And I said, okay. You know, I could sleep it one day, but I never did. Okay, your dad sounds amazing. And you realize that type of love, parental or caregiver love can really make all the difference when we're on the precipice of taking a big leap. Um, I also find it really remarkable that at such a young age, 17, you know, 18, you already had this client base and people who were undoubtedly thrilled when you did take that leap and open up your own salon. So in the beginning, Jen, what types of services were you offering and what would you say was that magic that set you apart and allowed you to give your clients a really memorable experience? Yeah, so after the first year getting my hairstyling certificate, I went back again a second year and I went for my cosmetology diploma. Like I do a lot of other things like waxing. And I was doing pedicures and manicures for a long time. So when I first started my career uh, renting my little room, I was doing it all. And I remember I would do hair and it would be wild and loud and lots of laughing. And then the next client, I would go into the small room in the back and we would do nails. And that was kind of calming and relaxing and quiet. And I really liked the balance of it. Um, but once I started to grow as a hairstylist, it just became too much to be able to do it all that I just stuck with hairstyling. And the client base I had was, um, I was, you know, local, I was staying here, I'm from here, I was brought up here. So I got a lot of trust right away and I built a great name and I, I made sure to keep it that way. And I think the community sees that from me that I'm not only a business owner but I'm I'm a local I'm here to live I'm here to raise my children and a lot of people love to see that I'm Joanna Ava. I'm 61 years old, and I work as a communication specialist with QIA, Kikirtani Inuit Association in Iqaluit. Joanna, you're a longtime and very loyal client of Jen's, and she's not just a hairstylist for you. I know that you two have also become friends over the years, so I'd love to know a little bit about your relationship and how Jen makes you feel when you're in the chair. Oh, yes. Whenever I have a chance to be taken care of by Jen, I always book with her and we've gotten 
to know each other over the years. I've seen her children be born and grow up. I remember when she was expecting and she would be doing my hair and we would be all excited about the due date. And um, I would share her my utmost secrets, just talking it out intimately while she's making me feel beautiful. Every time she was done doing my hair, I would just rave. I would get my picture taken. I would post it on social media and I would go around town. I'm not a big show off person, but I usually would go like, out of the salon and I would go to the store or the post office and people would be like, oh my goodness, look at your hair. It's gorgeous. I said, I know. They would ask me who did it? And I said, I, no one other than Jennifer. And they said, oh my goodness, I have to book my next session. Historically, Inuit have very thick, coarse hair uh, because we lived in such a cold environment. We need to have a head of hair that kept us warm. I started paying attention when Jennifer told me that, you know, I can understand care, and I'm like, how? Like, how do you understand it? She says, well, you know, it's usually thicker and coarser uh, and it's darker. So coloring it is always a challenge. So she's been able to uh, do wonders with my hair. Yeah, my hair has been her canvas all these years. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your hair is gorgeous, Joanna. And obviously, there's been a lot of trust built between you and Jen over the years. And she knows your hair inside out. And aside from being an expert stylist, what would you say sets Gen 87 apart as a business? Like what is the magic that you get from going to see Jen that you might not get at any other salon in the world? I think it's because she um, really does enjoy the profession she has chosen. Uh, she knows the community she grew up and was raised in the Kaluit, so she knows the community inside and out. And the fact that she really cares about the people that she does hair for. She takes her time, she's not rushing, and she explains things step by step. She actually is providing a service that people need because hair is a big deal. For me, I it became a big deal when I turned 42. I've never colored my hair prior to that at all, not even as a teenager, never experimented with it. But I, when I turned 42, I started noticing my gray a little bit, and she started coloring my hair. It's not for everybody, but it does make me feel so special, and I trust her wholeheartedly, knowing that it's going to come out beautiful. And she used to like make it all poofy, and then she would get it all styled. And then she would say, oh, Joanna, you have to go out tonight. Like, what kind of a service is that? Huh? Yeah, you're right. Like, Jen just has this very loving and caring energy about her. And she recognizes the responsibility that she has as a business leader in the community. So, Joanna, like, beyond making her clients feel amazing, what kind of impact do you ha see uh, Jen having as an Inuk entrepreneur? She's having a huge impact on a larger scale in all aspects because Inuit, historically, we were oppressed. Recently, we just started to um, get ourselves mobilized and standing up for ourselves as a society after being oppressed for so long, first by the religion religious sect, second by the governments. And we've never really had the confidence as Inuit, especially Inuit my age. Our mentality now is we can't do anything. 
we can't have our own business. Having your own business is for non-Inuit only. It's very difficult and challenging for any Inuk to start a business, let alone uh, start from almost nothing and to build up and at the same time be a family person, a partner, a mother, a community member, a friend. She has a great family support, which makes a big difference. Her family believed in her and I think that gave her the confidence. She wants to do this to make other people walk out of her salon looking beautiful and probably gaining 100% confidence as they walk out that door. Yeah, and I think in her own way, Jen is helping to lead this growing movement of Inuit and Indigenous entrepreneurs across the North. And she's doing it with a lot of humility, and she wants to uplift and bring others along with her for the ride. And I know you see that, Joanna, and I'm wondering, what are your hopes and dreams for the future of Inuit entrepreneurship across Nunavut? Yes, the Arctic is going to grow, it's going to continue growing, and uh, we're all part of the global economy now, although we live in the most expensive and uh, remote areas. There's so many services that are lacking here. There's lots of opportunities for businesses, but if you look around right now, construction, for example, retail, for example, um, the Restaurant industry, for example, in Iqaluit anyway, because I live here, is all run by non-Inuit. And nothing against that, because those are services that we need. Absolutely nothing against that. But while I'm old and gray and looking around, I want to see young Inuit just running these businesses, whether they be big or small, and providing um, services, whether they speak the language or not. Uh, and provide services to the people that they have ancestral connection with. And that would just be so beautiful. Knuckle McJoanna. And I know that when Jen talks about her kids, you know, they're just naturally building this entrepreneurial spirit that they're getting from witnessing their mom and their dad, you know, building their livelihoods around sustainable business ownership. Absolutely. And I appreciate that uh, because the more uh, we uh, show that we can and the more we show that we do have the smarts uh, and that we have the the will and the resiliency to overcome any kind of challenges, um, I think that the North, there's space for everyone and we all need to help each other to support one another. So people succeed. I mean, we all need to do that because it's uh, when we try to get help from the outside, it takes a long time. Um, sometimes it takes um, years for anything to kind of materialize. Um, I just hope that uh, Jen will have a strong and successful hair salon. Uh, she's already a role model, like young Inuit look up to her. She's like giving a really good example of someone um, who had a dream and is making it a reality. And to me, that's success in itself. So I hope that if I live to be 95, she will still take me into her salon and say, Joanna, what can we do today? I hope for that. (laughs) 
there have been times where I thought, okay, should I move on to other things? Should I take a break? Should I try the office work thing? I've never worked in the office. I've never been an employee of the government of Nunavut or any other office. And I thought of doing it just for the experience, but I always had that push from our funders, from our business supporters, that what I'm doing is great. What I'm doing is amazing. Like no one else is doing it. I could take it really far. And I find hairstyling, I do it because I love it. And I do it because it's also calming to me, therapeutic to me. Like I don't think I could do anything else. People say they do, you know, sewing and beading. It's so therapeutic and calming. But for me, when I do hair, I have that feeling myself. So that's why I've always really stuck to it. Yeah, it feeds your soul. And like you said, nobody else is doing it. You opened your first purpose-built salon in 2019, which is a huge feat. And I know that a lot of hairstylists only ever dream of owning a building and having their very own commercial space. So how did you get to a place of being ready to open those doors for yourself? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like, I went from 18 years old to having a little room in the side of a building that I rented, but it was in the downtown core, which was very important. And I, I find that to be very important now. And my husband and I have been together for a very long time. Um, he's been around for most of my hairstyling career. So when I was renting the little room, when um, and we were also renting an apartment, and we were probably then probably almost at $3,000 a month on just living and renting a business. So the market then for homes was a lot cheaper than it is now. Uh, we decided 20 years old to buy our first home, three bedroom home. We didn't have kids or anything. It was like, a, it was a big home for just two of us. And I thought, okay, maybe one day I can open my salon in that home. But we started having children and the home got too small for a business. So the building that I had rented in for 13 years was bought by a company and they were had planned to demolish. So I had to think quick about what I wanted to do next. And again, we looked at different buildings and different places that might work for me. And at that point, I thought, I want to be closer to my children. I want to be able to work from home and do both. And there wasn't a whole lot of options, but I did visit with different business supporters and funding to see if I can get any support to be able to buy something for the business. So I did a lot of that work. And we came across a building along the beach. We drove by and I said, hey, there's the duplex here and, and it's for sale and it's not even done. And so we found out who owned it and what they were doing with it. And we went to see him and we said, hey, we want to buy your building and we want to make it a home and a salon. And he picked us up so quick and he was patient. He was so helpful and he helped make it work designing it and even came to like business supporters 
for funding to say this can work. I, she's been doing hair for 13 years. She doesn't want to rent anymore. And that was the start of our expansion. And it took about a year, year and a half to get done. But 2019, we were able to move into a to a brand new salon that was fully furnished in a new home for the family. That is the dream. And the great thing about owning your own place and it being a new building is that you can design it exactly the way you want. So can you describe to me what the salon looks like and what it feels like to be stepping inside as a client? Like, what am I seeing? Yeah, so you walk into the salon. It's it's a lot different than our old salon. It's wide open and there's stations along the wall and big beautiful sinks and retail shelving with product. When you walk into the salon, I want people, and I know people do, they feel welcome. They feel like they're coming into someone's home where they can just get comfortable and hang out or, you know, have a coffee or just come and chill out, maybe sew, maybe, you know, just have conversations with me, even keep me company. Um, all our artwork is locally made or made or connected to the culture. We have a Kamutik bench. We have a Ulu design on the floor, in the tiles. We have pictures around the salon of like, I had a respected elder come and bring me a picture of, I think her grandmother with really long hair and she just put it up on the wall and she said, this is to show people how long hair can be. That sounds like my dream salon experience. And I really want to book myself in the next time I come to Iqaluit, but I also know that you've got a long waiting list because the salon is so popular. And what's different about Gen 87 is that it's more than just a place to get your hair done. It's sort of like this hub in the community to come and see people and you've got jewelry for sale and even local folks can come by and sell their stuff. Um, and really everybody is welcome and it's a place where commerce can happen and conversations can happen. So can you tell me about this vibe a little more? Because you don't see this at your typical hair salon. So on top of doing hair, most of the time we'll have people pop in and there'll just be people coming to say hi. They'll bring a coffee or a snack and they might go and take the broom and sweep my floor or see if I have laundry in the, the dryer and they'll fold it for me. But we also use the salon for other businesses, other people, not businesses, even artists, they'll, you know, walk down the street and see we're open and they'll come in with their jewelry. And I always talk about my new fish guy. He's, he doesn't, smoke fish for a living it's a side job so he's a very well-known friend of my husband and he's recently started smoking fish and selling it and I said oh come to the salon and I want to buy fish off you so he walks in and I had about three or four clients in there and they all jumped up and they wanted to buy all this fish from him so he kind of sat down put his bucket down and we were all 
going through his bucket bike, his fish. And so I said, you'll have to let me know the next time you come. I'll make sure everyone can just come here and you won't have to do deliveries because we're right in the downtown core. So that's definitely something that we see. And also, even on the weekends, other entrepreneurs or other artists, that want to have like a little craft sale or bake sale on the weekends like the salon is such a beautiful place to do something like that I like having that comfort of other Inuit just come together and so the salon is kind of something we use that for and another big thing we recently which has always been my dream is use the salon for sewing classes sewing groups we have lots of sink we have lots of space so, you know, working on seal skins, right from cleaning the flesh off to stretching to sewing to cleaning. So the salon does a lot more for sure than just hairstyling. There's so much space to use and so much positive energy there that there's a lot more that goes on than just hairstyling. I know how much it means to people to be able to have that culturally rich and inviting space that's available. And that is the power of local businesses who are owned by community members and by community members who are committed to the North and committed to staying. Um, I remember when you and I first started talking about during this podcast interview, it was a few years ago when COVID was really active and COVID hit just a year after you had opened your new building and for you and so many other entrepreneurs, it was just devastating. And then on top of COVID, Iqaluit was dealing with this water crisis. Um, and, you know, for a while, it was really tough. So how were you managing during that crisis period, Jen? So, yeah, we moved here in January 2019, and we had lots of plans for the building. Like, we lived in it, and we thought later in life, I don't know, five years, ten years, maybe we'll eventually expand the business from just 25% of the building to almost use the whole building and convert the home that we live in to a whole business and we have such great space for that so we were in the very early stages of trying to plan and a year later 2020 January I had my fourth baby so I had a newborn and we started to hear in she was about three months old when we started to hear about COVID and this virus that was killing people and we had no idea what was going on but being in the north we felt so protected and all we thought was oh we'll be okay it will be fine like we never thought it would affect us ever yeah I remember that all of us in the north kind of felt like we were in this bubble while the rest of the world especially in the big cities were just getting shocked and then we realized oh no this is going to be really bad for us too. Yeah. The first lockdown we had, it went on for at least three, four months where we absolutely could not work. We could not bring in any income. 
I always try to look at the positive of things. Like I thought this was a short time and this time I could take with my children and enjoy them because business life is so busy that I, it's hard to give that extra time for your children. You know, we built a cabin and we spent a lot of time on the land. They learned a lot that they wouldn't learn in schools. But after the fourth month, of course, we're like, okay, this is scary. You know, we don't have any revenue coming and the expenses are coming hard. And even after the lockdown started to lift, like we couldn't open full time. And then when I was able to open, our schools were closed. So it was a good two solid years of not even now, like I'm still recovering. Like I feel like we're back to little bit more of the norm but we're still recovering we feel it and you know our daycares weren't open and now they are but they're short staff there's so many humps along the road and things you have to deal with and unfortunately COVID was one of them for us and I think you know 10 20 years later we could even now just talking about what we did two years ago when we came home from the grocery store we were wiping down all the groceries and trying to figure out how to disinfect our bingo cards and things like that and where we could already laugh about it but we'll tell our grandkids and whatever like some of the things are really funny when you're in survival mode or when you're trying to be extra careful and I, for a few months of the lockdown I had my mother luckily staying with us to help us with the new baby and just to enjoy her company at one point we said I wonder if we could microwave to disinfect our bingo cards and <laughs> so there's we always have to look at the positive in life and the funny things we've done but what a wild ride that was mm-hmm. and I think that those are some pretty powerful connections to be making and just in general COVID really brought many of us into the present moment. And it's allowed us to think about what it means to be in survival mode uh, in different ways. So as you're doing that self-reflection, Jen, what would you say the last few years have taught you about yourself? So I realize as a business owner, a woman business owner, I realize that you got to find the patience and, you know, as much as you want to give up, you can't. There's other businesses that weren't from here that, you know, decided to close or leave or people up and left it. And I, I can't do that. I'm from here. This is who I am. I can't just leave it. I have to work with it and get creative and figure out how I can keep things going. Like I said, going on the land going to our cabin it's time away from the chaos and so being an entrepreneur and being a female it's very new this is very new to our economy to our culture not just in Inuit too like everywhere but we're seeing it more and more we're seeing more women come out and more women they know that they could do it also I'm seeing a lot more men staying home children and you know so I see a lot of that shifting and it's it's really awesome my husband did it he stayed home for a 
a year, year and a half, and I worked, and it was it's such good bonding with for the children to be able to have that bond with the father. So I think things are changing. Even my parents and grandparents, they would never imagine, you know, the father staying home and, the, you know, it was always the mother's duty. So a lot of that is changing and I'm seeing it more and more and it works for us. It works for our family. That's really interesting. And especially in the last five years, you know, we're seeing this growing community of Inuit women entrepreneurs, and there's also the next generation that's coming up. And it just feels like you're really lifting each other up and helping each other to figure things out, like how to operate a business in the North where there are unique challenges like access to affordable space and the cost of materials and shipping and connectivity issues. But through all of that, the sense of community is so strong and there are so many opportunities to be collaborating and problem solving as a group. Yeah, yeah, that's always been really important to me. Even with my business expansion, I always had in the back of my mind that I would include other businesses, other females to be able to work together. I always say we need to work together to grow like I need you and you need me and there's no competition between us any business in town anyone like we need to work together to grow there it's just a such a small entrepreneurs community that we have that's quickly growing that we need to support each other and before my expansion I had a lunch meeting that I spoke at about my expansion and Sheila Flaherty she lives across the street and then there was Emily Jonasi from Natsukta and I remember them being so into my conversation and feeling so motivated after that lunch that Emily's doing really amazing with her her shop and Sheila's also doing amazing with you know getting things going but I think having that open conversation and motivating and working together as a team even just in conversations is really helpful for other entrepreneurs to be be able to feel motivated and know that this can work and that it's possible with the work you put into it and so I think we'll see it even more and more now. I agree. And Jen, you're super unique in that you have only ever been an entrepreneur. You never worked in government and business has always been the main event for you. Although we know it is never too late for somebody to decide to leave their day job and step into entrepreneurship. Um, and I know that for you, business ownership is the future for so many people across the North. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about that and, and describe what you're seeing around you? Even just friends and people in the community, Facebook friends, I'm very active on Facebook. With my lifestyle, with my business, with my children, with what we do on our spare time, um, I'm finding more and more anyone that does have a nine-to-five nine job, whatever it may be, there's always a side job, whether it's being an artist, creating things, or 
I'm seeing people, oh, I do hair now. I'm doing my son and my husband's haircuts and they want to start to expand to maybe take a few people here and they're kind of how I started. And I think when people come in to visit the business, they see like how much fun I'm having. And if you work hard, you have great income. And then also I can balance my life with my children with my, you know, if it's a beautiful sunny day and I want to go to my cabin, I'm going to go and I'm going to enjoy it. And we have to work with the tides in the summer, high tide and low tide. We can't time that. We have to work with it. And as an entrepreneur, I can, I'm not locked into a nine to five Monday to Friday job, but I find other times to get my work done. And I think a lot of other people are noticing this. So I feel like they're getting the feel of it, having it a part-time thing. But I think, you know, as long as they can get some kind of affordable housing or affordable commercial space that if we could bring all these people that are so creative with whatever they're doing into one building and give them the space and the proper income, I think they would totally convert tomorrow. So this is the thing. It's partially about people deciding that, yes, I want to step into entrepreneurship and I want to bring a business idea to life. But that piece is just the beginning because beyond that, there are so many other economic and and social and logistical and political factors that come into play. And you brought up access to affordable commercial space, which is a huge issue for entrepreneurs across the North, especially in Nunavut. So as a community member and a business owner yourself, what do you think needs to happen for people to be able to sustainably operate a business and make a living doing it? I think it needs to be, first of all, which I think it's getting there to be recognized that it's something that could be successful for Inuit, for people that enjoy doing what they love. I think anyone that could make this happen, whether it's funders, organizations, supporters, people with the land. I know Inuit organizations or QIA has Inuit-owned land that I don't think they're doing a whole lot with at the moment. But if they could see how committed we are, see how much work could be done, how we can grow the economy locally and keep our funds, our money in Nunavut, in Iqaluit, if they could just see this, that we just need affordable space to be able to at least get started, get things going. There's so many examples here in town, like, As you're committed to do it and you have the support to get you up and help you rise and to try and make it affordable for you, it can work. I know like any organizations, if you work for them, they're going to support you or, you know, but we need to be supported from a different view. I'm sure people that, that don't work is because they don't want a nine to five job. They don't whatever they've done, they don't enjoy. But if they get a feel of something they love or get a feel of being able to make your own income by doing something you love that doesn't even feel like work, I think Inuit will do better mentally. You know, I think 
homelessness would be less. I think substance abuse would be less because you have a goal to reach and you're busy and you do what you love. So I think that needs to be recognized a little bit more. And I, I know before it wasn't at all there, but I think we're starting to open that door a little bit. And as long as we can get more support and have a voice like myself and Sheila, and I know Bernice has a really good voice, as long as we work together as a team and make this happen, I will see more people enjoy business and do business and enjoy doing what they love. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because I think it's the voices and perspectives of Inuit and Indigenous entrepreneurs that government needs to be listening to when they're thinking about strategies for healthier and brighter futures. And I think you're making a really strong case for the power of entrepreneurship and its ability to catalyze that positive change that we want to be seeing across the North. So thank you for being such a strong and supportive advocate, Jen, because I know it's a responsibility that you have to carry on top of everything else that you've got going on. So my last question for you is, what are you most proud of in your life? Um, I'm the most proud of is the vision myself and my husband have passed on to our children at such a young age. We were young parents and we now have young children and I'm very proud of the things they are already doing in life, their vision in life. Um, I have so much to be proud of for my business and what I've done successfully as a hairstylist, a woman. We, we've always survived with my business and I'm really proud of being able to do that at such a young age and still doing it to this day. But the biggest thing for sure I'm proud of is how we've brought up our children and how like every day they amaze us with the small things and we know like we've passed that on to them or my oldest, my 13, she'll be 14 soon. I'll see little things or hear little things she'll say and I'll say that's from me or my 10 year old's really into hockey right now and she's doing really well with like She's getting into being a goalie and my husband always loved people that were being a goalie. He wanted to be a goalie. So him seeing his daughter do it and how, you know, how the bond they have. And then just our little three-year-old, like she's a little old soul that she, you know, will look after her six-year-old brother. So those are the things I'm really proud of. And I'm proud of the life we have on the land. I always talk about that things that, we, you know, it's a beautiful day. We can go enjoy our cabin. We get to our cabin. Like I brought one of my best friends that just moved back and she said, I feel like I've been at a spa all day. I feel like I'm in a spa and my children are around. So I'm very proud of having that lifestyle, but being able to have a business that like the business was always my first baby and children being born into the business. It's something they've always known. It's something that 
they've been born into and they don't know anything else. So having that lifestyle and that balance, I'm still learning to balance, but that balance with them in the business, like there's so much to be proud of for sure. And and for some people like myself, it's hard to talk about myself and anything to do with me. I could talk about other people and how amazing they are at what they do, but when it comes to myself, that's always a challenge. And that's probably one of the reasons I was hard to get going with this podcast. So it's important to look at that though and be proud of yourself. <laughs> this is true. We were going back and forth for a while on Messenger before you agreed, but I'm so glad that you did, Jen. And Nakulmik for taking the time to tell us all about your first baby, the salon, and then your other beautiful babies who are getting to watch their mom do exactly what she loves. Thank you so much. I'll make sure not only my girls, but my son, he has to respect himself as well. I know boys are always told to respect women and now we have to make sure that they also look after themselves and respect themselves. So that's important too. Yes. Let's take care of one another and ourselves. Yes. Everyone deserves to feel happy. Okay. I just love Jen and Every time I talk to her, I'm reminded of how kind of a person she is and how the world just needs more people with her type of generosity of spirit. And she's got this really gentle quality that is matched with this brave determination that you see in a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, especially in the North. And I think that Jen is a really strong example for the business community, and she's a source of deep knowledge for other entrepreneurs, especially Inuit women. So go follow Jen87 Hairstyling on Facebook and show our girls some love. You will also see some pictures of her staff and even some pictures of her and her family out at the cabin. She's just so lovely. Venture Out is a production of Entrepreneurth. Our co-producer is Travis Mercredi. Our lead researcher is Jess Duncan. And our theme song is called Fires Across the Tundra by Den and Day's Leila Gilday. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to Venture Out. Give us a five-star rating and be sure to share your favorite episode with a friend. We would love to hear from you. So reach out to us through Entrepreneurth's Instagram and Facebook. We'll see you next time. We are fire the